0: Guys, I am loving this series. I'm loving uh, that sermon bumper. That gets me jazzed up every time I see it. Uh, we are in our series called Embracing Exile. And uh, we've, we're talking about transitions here. We're talking about going from, from this to this. But that doesn't mean we leave the the first thing behind that we talk about. We're, we're trying to integrate here. And we're trying to shift some things in church culture so that we can shift some things in general culture, in our city's culture, in our nation's culture, in our world's culture and way of doing things. That, in essence, is the kingdom of God moving out. We're ushering it in. It's God's rule and reign over uh, our church, over our city, over the world. That's how we influence. So this whole series has been directed towards that. And, And today we're talking about How do we move from secular to sacred? Now, again, that doesn't mean we get rid of the secular. Okay. And and as we have been going through first Peter here in in this book, uh, we're getting to the central portion of his argument. We're getting to the crux of the book where he's really going to uh, start to show us what it really means to live in exile. Uh, so, so the question uh, you might be asking is, well, well, how, how do I live sent? How do we live out? How do we actually live out in this rhythm? How do we live in a world in, in how do we, sorry, how do we live in this world in an unawkward fashion? How do we represent Jesus? Well, how do we even talk about, talk about Jesus? And it, it, it may not be it, it may not be normal for you, and I hesitate to use that word normal, uh, but it may not be normal for you to talk about Jesus. It may not be uh, part of your life. And if you're a follower, of, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself a believer, a follower of Jesus, um, it should be normal for you. It should just come out of the overflow of your relationship. But you may be at a point where you're like, ah, it's, it's not. I don't know how to live out this out rhythm. I don't know how to really talk about my faith. Um, Uh, It's difficult for me to talk about Jesus with people, uh, things like that. Well, well, guys, here's some, hopefully maybe some good news for you. I used to be just like that. I used to be scared to talk about my faith. I used to worry I was going to say the wrong things. I used to not know how to talk about spiritual things in an unawkward way. Just ask Missy. Uh, when I first met her, how I talked to her about Jesus, um, and that was after I got over my fear, but then when I talked to Missy in an, an awkward way, and she rejected me, that fear came back, All right? So guys, I, I know what you're going through with this. I, I know how difficult it can be sometimes. I know it's not comfortable sometimes, and, and what it boiled down to a lot for me, and maybe this is the same case for you, is I wasn't comfortable with who I was. I wasn't comfortable with my identity in Christ. I wasn't rooted in that identity. It it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't completely in, in Jesus. I cared too much about what other people thought of me. So that's why I started worrying about what if I say wrong? What if I mess it up? What if they reject me? What if uh, this is awkward? Okay. I'm, uh, you know, uh, all, all these things. And, and I used to separate the secular and the sacred. But it doesn't have to be either or. And we make that we make that fallacious choice all the time. It's a fallacy where, where we choose either this or that, or it has to be this, or it has, guys, uh, we live in more of a gray world than a black and white world. So it doesn't have to be either or. It can, we can see how we can choose to redeem the secular, we can choose. To operate in both the secular and sacred, it can actually be integrated. The issue in Christian culture, in the Christian church, is this. We've made secular synonymous with sinful. We've made the secular also evil. But that is not what secular actually means. It simply means non-religious. And guess what? That should be a good thing for us. Because how often do you say, or do you hear somebody say about, about uh, the Christian faith, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Right? And, and we agree with that. When Jesus came on the scene, when he, when he um, takes on flesh and comes to rescue the world, he's not starting a new religion. His goal was never to start the Christian religion. He just said, hey, come follow me. He didn't say come follow me after all of these beliefs that you believe and all these things you don't do and all these things you do. He said, no, just come follow me. He actually had some of his biggest issues with those who were religious. So the sacred doesn't mean the religious. The secular doesn't mean what's sinful. Okay, so I think essentially that redefinition for us that the secular is just the non-religious actually helps us. Because it's not something we need to run away from. It's not something we need to push off to the side. It's something uh, we need to uh, figure out how to embrace in this world as we live in exile. And so the question is, how do we move from secular to sacred? How do we reframe? How do we redefine? How do we re-envision? Uh, what it means to have those two things integrated. I mean, isn't this the business of Jesus? Isn't this what he does? He reconciles all things. And you're like, wait, wait a second. What, what do you mean reconcile all things? Well, I mean, I'm just. that's just Colossians 1. It's Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Those f- six verses, in those six verses, Paul repeats five times, Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. Jesus does this, all things. Remember way back in Genesis 1, he created this world. And he said it was good. He created us. He said it was very good. He created all these things. Everything was tainted by sin. But we still have the image of God in us. And he's reconciling all people and all things to himself. Jesus, and now us, we, are in the redeeming business if we're in Jesus Christ. That includes the secular. That includes that which, which is in that realm where we say God can redeem that, right? So, that's our calling. That's what we do. That's how we engage society. That's kingdom disciples engaging society. That's what we're talking about this morning, uh, um, Pairing the secular and the sacred, and so this passage here, I'm going to give you a framework for for doing this because after this passage, in the next two weeks, the next two sermons, uh, we're going to talk about some specific instances of this, and and Peter's going to go in here and and talk about how we do this in the household, which we'll talk about next week, is the basic unit of society. And Peter identifies it as that. So he goes into uh, what that looks like in the next two weeks. This is our framework for that. And if you can catch this, if you can catch this framework, then you can start to integrate these two spheres, the the secular and the sacred, uh, into into one so that your life isn't... um, separated, siloed, segregated, but you're truly starting to live up in and out, and you're actually truly living sent. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean we accept everything in the secular, right? There's evil things in there, okay? And so there's some things we got to get rid of. Um, There's some things we should be, be aware of, but the sacred helps inform that for us. So here's the bottom line for today. Here's what I want you to remember. This is the statement we're going to take through our entire sermon today. Uh, it's that it's this proper, and I made up a word, you can see it on the screen, proper bewareness of the secular is proportionate to potent awareness of the sacred. Proper bewareness of the secular, is proportionate to potent awareness of the sacred. Okay, what I mean by that is this. Guys, we we should, if you're a follower of Jesus today, you should be aware of some things in the secular realm. You should be. You should be aware of, because that's going to include some evil things. We should be aware of that. But if we focus on... Being aware of the sacred, that's going to inform a proper bewareness in the secular. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we completely isolate ourselves. We can't, we can't be that. We can't, we can't affect society if we have complete isolation. Sometimes we completely assimilate ourselves. Well, we can't stand out from society and affect society if we do that. So proper bewareness. What things do we do, what things do we redeem and reconcile in the sacred, and what things do we say, you know what? That we're gonna leave that one up to Jesus. You know, and I'm not gonna have any part to part to do with that. And, and guys, the 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 core of this is the heart of God. If you picture the heart of God in the middle, oftentimes our faith. We take we we take the religious route. Remember, we're not we're trying to be non-religious here. We we don't want legalism. We don't want uh, religiosity. We don't want, Pharise, uh Phariseeism, Right. We don't want to be those guys. We don't want to be the 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 ones who are saying it's it's all about do's and don'ts. Okay. It's about relationship. So it's about the heart of God. But a lot of us, if you picture arrows pointing out from the heart of God, that's our trajectory of the faith. That's how we think it is to follow Jesus because we're looking at the boundary line. And you say, well, I don't go away from the heart of, heart of God. I don't want that. I want to go into it. Okay, just follow me. Um, because we created a boundary line and it says, okay, how far can I go in this? How far is too far in physical interaction with my boyfriend girlfriend? How much can I uh, go to the scent on my tithes and offerings? Um, you know, if I if if I what's the minimum amount I can read my Bible and still um learn about learn about God. That's going out. You're trying to find the boundary of what it is where you're still inside. What we want to do is rotate those arrows in and go into the heart of God. Because when the heart of God is our concern, it's not that the boundary disappears, but it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter because we're closing in on the heart of God. So we want a proper awareness, but we need a potent awareness of God in every sphere of our lives. So here in in, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So there's two lifestyles here. The first one is one that is focused on the passions of the flesh. Back in verse 17 in chapter 1, Peter says this is a futile way of living. It's futile. It's useless. He says that life is. Those ways are useless. And then again, don't think of the secular life. Don't think of the secular as this life, okay? Secular doesn't mean this type of life, but this life is often found in the secular sphere, okay? But, but again, don't conflate those two. Don't, don't, don't necessarily make them the same. They're not synonymous. Okay? The second one is, he says in verse 12, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak of you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And so there's a good way of living. There's an honorable way. There's, there's, there's a way to, to live sacredly. And that's, and that's verse 12 here. Guys, just to be clear here again, there are good things in culture. There are good things in society. There's good things in the kingdom of God. Just just take our philosophy as a church, our philosophy of city engagement. Our philosophy of city engagement is <clears throat> excuse me, is different from the from a lot of traditional churches because the traditional church model says, well I'm going to go and we're we're going to engage as a church, but they don't have what we have. They actually lack what we have. And essentially, they say, "Well, we have the gifts, the talents, the skills, whatever." But also, they don't have Jesus, it's, and we can go all the way down. They don't have the image of God. We're going to bring that in. They don't have the kingdom of God. We're going to bring that into them. And so, we're going to go save this neighborhood. We're going to go do this thing. We're not. We're not servants. We, uh, the old model is like we're saviors. It's a deficit-based approach. It's, it doesn't. It doesn't create collaboration. It says we're going to do our own thing over here, and we're going to. Um, we're going to do everything for your benefit. And it sounds, it sounds great sometimes, but it actually doesn't work out very well. Our philosophy of engagement is, God, where are you moving? Where are you working? Because we know you do not only move through Trinity Life Church. We know you do not only move through the church. The whole world is yours and all those who live in it as the psalmist says. So God, where are you working? Where are you on the move? How can we join? How can we join you there? Because guess what, guys? God is ushering in the kingdom of God all around us because his image is placed in every single person. Now, they may not recognize it. It may not have been been brought to fruition or fullness yet. Uh, That's where we get to help do that. We can't do that if we're trying to make our own thing over here and competing with their thing. We do that by by saying, we want to help push you forward. And guys, the goal isn't conversion. The goal is love. The goal is love. Do we want people to know Jesus? Of course we do. Uh, Through that, do we have opportunities to share who Jesus is? All the time. But our goal isn't conversion. Our goal is love. You know, some people get to know Jesus along the way. Praise God. So that is how uh, it looks for the kingdom of God to go in a culture and start to redeem elements of culture. And say, you know what? You're doing that awesome thing. You know what? That's the image of God in you. That's the kingdom of God being planted in your community through your name. And you didn't even know it. And, and how amazing is that? That you're building something that is eternal and everlasting uh, and because it's the image of God. And guys, that's the power of, of redeeming uh, those things that are secular and, and integrating the secular and the sacred. So here he says, in still verse 11, <laughs> uh, you know, the fifth or sixth word, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. He's already used both these two terms separately. In chapter one, but both these two terms together make uh, make us think Genesis twenty three. This is this is where uh, Abraham, the father of God's covenant people, uh, Abraham himself, he identifies himself as a sojourner and an exile. Guys, us as the church, you as a follower of Jesus, you have entered into a long line of followers of God who are sojourners and exiles. And they signed up for this life. Not for a life of comfortability, not for a life of ease, not for a life of solid plans, but for a life of pioneering, of adventuring, of trailblazing, of of walking in faith not by sight. We're in that lineage. That's us. We just, heard, we just heard about that, right? Chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Embrace exile. Jesus lived this life. And guess what? John 15 says, you are not greater than your master. We follow in his footsteps, as Peter's going to say uh, next week. Um, so what does it mean? What does it mean to be a sojourner? What does it mean to be a foreigner? What does it mean to be an exile? And how do we embrace it? So some of you guys know this. Uh, Missy and I are permanent residents of Canada. Before then, we were on temporary visas. And, and now we're on permanent residence. So it, essentially, like we said a few weeks ago, we, we have embraced exile. We've embraced the mission of God, embraced exile in, in uh, coming to Toronto to live on mission, and uh, but there's there's things about uh, for those of you those of you uh, who have been on visas, student visas, work visas, uh, you know temp- temporary visas, and those of you who are permanent residents are going through the process. I know some of you guys are doing that. Um, uh, you can resonate with with us on this because uh, there's a- as a foreigner. And uh, it seems weird for me to say that, but as a, as a foreigner uh, to Canada, I can't fully participate in some customs and practices of the new culture. That is just the way it is for people transitioning from one culture to another. You can't fully engage and fully practice. Here's an example. Uh, Ice skating, or should, should I say skating? I got corrected on that uh, in my first couple of years here. Uh, there's no other skating. It's just skating. Um, you don't distinguish between ice skating and roller skating. and Is there other skating? Skateboarding? I don't, I don't know. Um, so that, that's, that's one thing. Or, or hockey culture, right? And some of you guys who are, who are Canadians, born and raised here, you're like, oh, well, I'm not that much into those things either. But for those who come... Uh, out of from who, those who come from a different country, uh, like some of us have to learn how to skate because we didn't have we didn't have that growing up or we didn't do that growing up. And so take, take for example, Missy and I, she didn't she didn't know how to skate. So I, I grew up I grew up skating here and there. So um, I was fine moving here. Uh, but Missy didn't. So we had to take lessons to do it. And guess what, guys, we, and I took lessons with her. Uh, immediately, they put me in, like, the advanced class because they're like, you don't belong with her. <laughs> uh, she's pretty, pretty bad. But, guys, even in her beginner class all the way to my advanced class, there weren't any Canadians in there. It was all immigrants. It was all people trying to participate in this, in this, in this uh, new custom but all struggling, all struggling with it. So that's that's one example. Even as a PR, as a permanent resident, there are certain things that we just can't do: can't vote, can't serve in the military. Now, there's exceptions for for the military, but you got to go through all these like, uh, yeah, all, all these things. But but we can't vote because uh, we're not citizens. Um, uh, like even cultural TV shows. Like I, I remember being around a group of people and they were talking about Corner Gas one time and laughing and having fun with it. But I couldn't fully participate because uh, I, I had no idea what they were talking about. So when then when they told me, I went to try to watch it and catch up on it, and I thought, okay, I have no idea what they're talking about. Like it is just one of those things that somebody watched grow, that people watched growing up, and I couldn't fully participate in 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 it. Um, or kids' TV shows growing up, things like that. And then there's some things that I just choose not to participate in, like. I'm not going to say Mazda, I'm going to say Mazda, I'm not going to say pasta, I'm going to say pasta, Uh, and I don't care what brand of ketchup chips there are, I'm not going to like them. I'm just not. I've tried all of them, or a lot of them, Uh, and I like ketchup, and I love chips. They just don't go together for me, so I choose not to participate in that. Also. I'm always going to use the preposition and say, I'm done with my homework, not I'm done my homework. That is a particular Canadian English thing. Uh, I'm always going to just add that extra preposition uh, in there. Um, but there are certain things that I choose to adopt. That I didn't have to, but I chose to. Like I'm 100% Raptors. I'm 100% Blue Jays. 100% uh, Leafs, one hundred percent TFC. If an NFL team was started in Toronto, I would be one hundred percent that team. And I would leave leave my old team. there's There's some things that I'm just gonna choose to do. like uh, so and that's just an example. So like this guys, when he talks about sojourners exiles, uh, we're like we're on temporary visas, We're or permanent residents um, in this world. And so we're to abstain from certain things, and we can choose that. That's your bewareness of the, of the secular. And there's some things that we're gonna adopt. That's your, that's your awareness. Right? So we wanna, we wanna put those things two together, those two things together because that's a framework we're moving forward in. Because we want to live honorably. You know, if eating ketchup chips um, caused me to live dishonorably. To, to you as a Canadian, um, I would eat ketchup chips. And don't say, just because I said that, don't say it is, because uh, I know it's not. Uh, but, uh, but there's other things, like I thought, and, and I still believe this, I'm going to be for my city sports teams, whether they are horrible or whether they're good. And, you know, the past eight years, uh, we've actually had some really good runs uh, and I think it just started when I moved here, so you're welcome, Canada. Um, and and so uh, I mean, it's I I just like pushed for the entire fan base on my shoulders. Missy United I did. I'm no, just uh, just asking you guys, um, but it's been an awesome time in sports. So um, and and that I thought, you know what? I want to live honorably among among uh, Toronto, so I'm going to adopt those teams. That was a conscious decision to do that. So it is. It is uh, uh, trying to integrate these things, the, the awareness and the, and the awareness. And then in verse 12, he says, again, keep your conduct pure, or sorry, conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Because back in 117, uh, you have here this keeping your conduct before God. Well, here, Peter switches it a little bit and says, okay, yes, back in chapter one, before God. Now, it's before others. Because we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus, as the church of Christ, the church of God, to represent him well in society. And Peter knows that sometimes the secular, the sacred overlap. But because the, where the rubber meets the road is, is when our sacred values conflict with secular values you might be asking, well, how, how do I know? How do I know when that happens? Well, if it's sin, that's easy or, or should be easy. You have the Holy Spirit who dwells inside you if you're a follower of Jesus. So that's a pretty easy one. You know what's sin, you know what's not. You know what's, what's, what's beneficial for your relationship with God and what is detrimental to it. I don't really have to tell you that. Um, you feel it, right? You, you know it. Uh, there's, the Spirit is working, working in you. Unfortunately, uh, most of the world operates in gray, not black and white. Uh, And this is where Paul's rule of thumb in 1 Corinthians comes into play. Uh, All things are permissible, but um, let's focus on what's beneficial. What is beneficial for the kingdom of God? What is beneficial for representing Christ well? What is beneficial for the common good? Okay. Uh, and, and here's some things I've been talking to my girls about because we've, we've talked about this recently and I trying to just help them un- understand this. And, and I said, well, how about you guys ask yourself this? Um, basically, would you choose to watch that thing if Jesus was watching it with you on the couch? Would you choose to click on that website if Jesus was, was sitting next to you at the computer? Would you choose to linger on that social media photo in your Instagram feed if you were looking at your feed with Jesus? Would you choose to um, yell at your spouse at that time in that way if Jesus was in the house? Because that is an awareness of the sacred. That's not a, oh no, Jesus is around and he sees me when I'm sleeping and he knows when I'm I'm awake. Wait, Wait, that's Santa Claus. Uh, um, it's, it's not a it's, it's a relationship where you're with Jesus and you want to follow him you want to be more like him because I say that every day Jesus make me more like you I want to be more like you so it's an awareness it's praying without ceasing that that Peter's trying to get us to because proper bewareness of the secular Again, it's proportionate to potent awareness of the sacred. And Jesus is the sacred. Okay? Jesus is there to help us do things that are honorable and good and pursue life that way. This is, and this isn't new to Peter. This is Deuteronomy chapter 4 where, where Moses says you are to be a nation that, that displays who I am. People are to see you and they're to want the God that you serve. That's Deuteronomy 4. Also in in Matthew 5, Jesus says, Let your light shine before before others, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Also, James talks about this. He says, Who's wise and understanding in James uh, chapter 3 here. Chapter 3 verse, where are we at? Verse 13. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So, Peter is, isn't, uh, this isn't uh, an aberrant principle. This is, this is the entire scriptures. And we're to live in a way uh, that reflects uh, the, this awareness of the sacred. But how? Well, he says, um, in, in this culture, he's going to give some principles for this. In verses 13 through 17, he says, Be subject for the Lord's sake. To every human institution, whether it be to the emperor or, or to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil, to praise those who do good. Verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. Honor the emperor. So, Peter gives these principles for their culture. And so, let, let's, let's talk about this for a second because Peter's talking to, to Jews here who are oppressed by the government. Now, it's a mix of Jews and Gentiles, but um, uh, uh, he's, he's talking to, to people who are oppressed by the government, who are now followers of Jesus, who are also socially ostracized by some of their own people. And who lived chiefly among the, the secular, among the Gentiles, among um, some evil uh, as well. And he's, and, and get this, guys, Peter, Peter, the apostle Peter is telling them to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Guys, this is the same Peter who, when the human institution and the authorities came to arrest Jesus, He cut off, he took a sword and cut off a guy's ear. And I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he meant to cut off more than that. So this is the same, this is the same guy. This is the same guy in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 15 and in Galatians 2 who just didn't understand how Gentiles fit into the plan uh, of the Messiah for God's chosen people and and, and the Jews. The same guy who had issues with that, who didn't understand that. So, Here's the thing. He's not being a hypocrite here. He's just more aware of the sacred and the secular. He now has this potent awareness that we're talking about. And, he, and it's informing his bewareness of the culture. And he says, hey, basically what I did back then, shouldn't have done that. That's, that, 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 that one's on me. Shouldn't have done that. Now I'm, I'm exhorting you. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And, and guys, I'm not going to get into all the particularities of that and how that works out. Um, there's a whole bunch of factors that play into that. Uh, this is a, a specific situation here, which we're going to talk about in the next two weeks, uh, what this, how this plays out for them. But that is the starting principle, is our default should be this, to, to submit ourselves to be subject uh, here, because, because um, like he says in verse sixteen, we have a different master. Right? We have a different master, and again, we're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks more more specifically. But let's focus on one thing here. He says, he says here uh, to do good in verse fifteen. He says, for this is the will of God that by doing good you put a silence the ignorance of foolish people. So guys, you don't put to silence people by yelling at them, by, by demeaning them, by saying they're wrong. You don't put to silence people um, in any other way except to do good. You don't repay evil for evil. As Paul says in Romans 12, you overcome evil with good. And then Peter picks up on this, and 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 he says, "Doing good." And this this verb for doing good in the Greek, it doesn't refer, it doesn't have a connotation of just private Christian acts of kindness. Where I'm gonna do good over here, and and I'm just gonna live my life for Jesus over here. No, this has a connotation of public acts of service, of of bigger things than than just than just private acts of of kindness, and. And uh, so when when he talks about this here, it's it's more of something that says, okay, you need to go beyond what's expected. You have to go beyond what's expected in a given situation, and people will see this, and, and uh, they'll want who our God is. And he uses the same verb when he talks about citizens to authority, when he talks about uh, children and parents, uh, when he talks about... Uh, sorry, not children and parents, um, servants and masters, when he talks about husbands and wives, and when he talks about those who are persecuted for their faith to the persecutor. So he talks to, to victims of persecution to the persecutor. He uses this verb all, and that's all in this book moving forward. This verb that says, this isn't just about you individually, this book about the kingdom of God corporately, the body of Christ corporately. And we're to represent him well. So it doesn't just have a relational impact. It actually has a societal impact. Kingdom disciples engaging society. And out of that arises the people of God, the church. That's what we're supposed to do. That's who we're supposed to be. We're going to talk about what that looks like in the the next couple weeks. I know I keep on saying that. But... An example of this guys is the New Common. That's what we do in the New Common. And, and uh and, and the New Common is is to um, help us engage to empower our church, to empower our city, to empower our communities. And guys, guess what? We are multiplying the new common. We've multiplied the new common. We're here in St. Jamestown. We have also multiplied it in the Lawrence Heights. And and where the R3s are gathering, they're gonna start multiplying it out even more. Guys, where, where Adam and Emily are, and and Mount Dennis and Mount Denise, uh, Mont, Mont Denise, however you say it, where where they are, um, they're on the verge. They're on the verge of multiplying the new common. There, guys, it's happening. We are affecting our city. We're living out. You guys are a part of that. We're all doing that together. We're all living on a mission together, guys. We can have said this before. Remember, we put in the special forces. We had the big. We had the individual. Now we're doing this as a group in the in the in the smaller groups in the special forces category. And we are going out, and the new common philosophy idea uh, uh, engagement is multiplying, and it's exciting, guys. There's so much. Cool vision that's happening there We want to tell stories We want to tell the stories of the people out there We want to tell the stories of the community All that is coming The New Common has had um, A a revisioning and a reimagining Of what God wants and what we could be And it's super exciting More to come on that Um, As we figure it out, that's pretty much all I have right now. But as you go forward and figure it out, you'll see it because we're all a part of it. And guys, this is the same message, this do good, this, this affects society that God gave to who? The exiles. Way back in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, he said, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare... You'll find your welfare, the sacred and the secular. Awareness of the the sacred leads to proper awareness of, of the secular. Like I said before, this means we can't live in seclusion. We can't be separate from society, but it also means we can't assimilate into society. We have to be something else, we have to be something more. We're actually part of moving the secular into the sacred. We're part of changing the secular and making it sacred. Guys, that's Colossians 1. That's reconciling all things. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. So much to, to come on here. Last verse, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. These statements are uh, pr- present a holistic view of engagement, of awareness. Because you... Uh, look, look at this. So where are where, where we, we at? Honor everyone. This is, uh, this is your social sphere of life. Love the brotherhood. That's your ecclesial sphere, your, your church sphere, right? your community. Fear God. That's spiritual. That's your spiritual sphere. Honor the emperor. That's, that's a political sphere, which, which you may not know about politics to be involved, but we all live in a political environment. So it's, it's very holistic here. It's secular and it's sacred because there's there's all yeah there's all of these here so when jesus submitted himself for us and to us in a lot of ways when he submitted himself to the father's plan he submitted all of himself when he came into the world he didn't leave one of these fears behind he submitted all of himself to to die on a cross for us that we'd be a part of redeeming with him as your salvation isn't just about saving you from hell it isn't just about your uh, forgiveness of your sins those are just the starting points there's so much more out there that god wants you to do with your salvation paul says work it out with fear and trembling We are to work it out. We we are to uh, engage society. We're to redeem it. We're to create culture. There's so many things I could say about, about that. And this means if you are to follow Jesus, you have to submit all of yourself. You can't just submit in the spiritual sphere, but not the social sphere. And many of us do that. Oh, I talk about Jesus here, but I I don't bring Jesus into my social sphere. I don't bring Jesus into my work sphere. I don't bring Jesus into my political sphere. You, you can't do that. A submission to Jesus is holistic. It's all of these things. And he did that for us, so we do that in in, in following him. And if you can do that, you'll see how the sacred and the, the 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 sacred and the secular fit together. And you'll experience the fullness of the abundant life. Because right now you may just be experiencing a peace here and a peace there, a glimmer here, a shimmer there. God wants all of it for you. And so submit yourselves holistically to Christ Jesus because he did that for you all areas of your life. Reflecting a a potent awareness of the sacred, which will help us understand how the secular fits in there. That's the church. That's who we want to be in this world. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, just how it forms us and shapes us. Just continue to make us more like you to affect this world, to engage society to bring others to you, to show your, your love and your light. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.